discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything He is. That is why He told Abraham, He said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave Himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God Himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified. So today I want us to do a question and answer session. I know you've been, they've been teaching on the Bima, the books and accounts. And you are wondering what they are talking about. But they are showing you scriptures to show that it's really true. I preached that message years ago. I don't know how many years ago it has. I think 2013, that's five years ago. Five years, four or five years ago. That's a long time ago. Yeah, so the messages are there so you can listen to them so that you get a, a better understanding of what's going on. Okay, but I want us to do a question and answer session. Very wonderful, nice question and answer session, and then we'll close. Then Friday will be here, then Sunday will continue. Okay? All right. Is it powerful? All right. So the microphone is hot. If this is a microphone, you are at liberty to ask any question that is on your heart. The author, who is the Holy Spirit, the author of the Word of God, who is the Holy Spirit, is here to answer every single question on your heart. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor. Okay. Um, please, I wanted to ask a question from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Hebrews 4, 16. Yes, please. Um, Let us therefore come boldly yes, please. before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy, grace, mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Yes, please. Um, I was reading it and I was wondering... Hebrews 4, 16. So I was reading it and I was wondering that... So then, how do you come before the throne? How do, how do you, you come how do you apply that particular scripture? Yes, thank you. The way the scripture sounds, it looks like it looks as though every time when you're walking around, you are walking away from the throne. <laughs> when you are interested, then you come boldly to the throne. Okay. Did you hear the question? Let us therefore come boldly in this particular place. It says, "Let us come." Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So the question is, how do you come before the throne? Onto the throne of grace. How do you do it? Anybody with answers? <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, let's read from verse, from verse 12 so that we get it even more. From the story, he talks about the word of God. Okay, the word that the word of God for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. See, the word of God is a discerner of the thoughts. Okay? And the intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, in the sight of the word. But all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him whom we have to do. Next verse. Seeing then that we have a great high priest 
that is passed into the heavens. So the language all of a sudden changes. So seeing that we have a great high priest. So he's talking about the high priestly ministry of Jesus Christ. Okay? Seeing then that we have, we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession or our confession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like us we are, yet without sin. And he says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Because he's sitting on a throne called the throne of grace. Why the throne of grace? The throne of grace because he's gone through all that you have gone through. And he knows what you are feeling. He knows what you are going through. He's ever willing and ever ready to help you in your time of need. Okay? There are different thrones that are mentioned in the Bible. God has so many thrones to sit on. There's actually one, but there are different sides of it. Okay? And the throne of grace is what God is sitting on right now. In John chapter 1 verse um, 14, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory. Let's look at it. John 1 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Next verse. Go to 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So Jesus came, Jesus is the one who brought the grace of God. Okay? He's the dispenser or the distributor of grace. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So where Jesus is now dispensing grace. Okay? So if you read Ephesians chapter 3, Let's read Ephesians 3 from verse 4. Ephesians 3 from verse 4. Whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Continue. Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gifts of the grace of God. Paul says he's even functioning in the body of Christ according to the gifts of the grace of God. Okay? The gifts of the grace of God. Everything that is done in the New Testament is done by the grace of God. Because Christ is administering grace. Of his fullness have we all received grace for grace. That's also in John chapter 1, right? I think verse 18. But what I want you to notice is that Christ is sitting on the throne of grace now and is willing and ready to help you. What is, what is the meaning of grace? Grace means God at work in you to do what he requires you to do. The law is God telling you what to do but not giving you any help, handing you help to do what he says you should do. Okay? Please come. The law will tell you to jump from here and exit the wall to, to the other side. Like Superman, the way Superman will do it. And he will not, he will leave you. Okay, that's an instruction from God. Jump. If you don't do it, what will, what will, he will kill you. He will not be happy with you. So jump. We are waiting for you. We are all looking at So that's how the law is. The law gives you an instruction, stays back and watches you to do it. And you can't do it. Nobody can do it. Nobody. Grace is 
Grace is the law with help. Grace does not mean no law. <laughs> Grace means the law. It's the law, but with the help of God now. The law is from God. It's called Lord Jazonta, lively oracles. The law represents the lawgiver. Okay? So if God says this, the law is God himself. So grace is jump from here outside. But then God comes to come and stand by you. He gave the instruction. He can do it. Nobody else can do it. And then he jumps with you. Not even he, he puts you on his head and jumps. So you enjoy his jump. When we get there, you say, hey, we jumped. But he jumped, not you. An elephant and a mouse were crossing a bridge. And as we were crossing the bridge, the bridge was shaking, 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 shaking. When they got to the other side, the mouse said, hey, we shook there. We shook the bridge. See how we shook. Who shook the bridge? It was the elephant. It wasn't the mouse. But they crossed together. So the elephant shaking is the mice shaking. That is grace. You can take your, you can take your seat. Okay? Uh, so he's sitting on the throne of grace. Now. Now. When he says, come boldly. You know, that was why I read the verses before for you. He's telling you that a high priest who has gone into the heavens. You know, he's gone into the heavens. This is the, it's called the day of his help. There's a time coming when he doesn't help anymore. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 6 one before I make the point I want to make, okay? 2 Corinthians 6, 1. We then as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Next verse. Because this is the time to help. So grace is the time of God's help. For he has, he said, I have heard thee in an in a in a time accepted. And in the day of salvation have I secured thee. The word secured is help. Have I helped thee? Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. This is the time when God is helping people to do what they are supposed to do. It's a time coming when he will not help again. So if you don't take advantage of God's grace, he says you are taking the grace of God in vain. Do you understand? Look at the BBE says it. For he says, I have given ear to you at a good time, and I've been your helper in a day of salvation. So he's now a helper. Grace means God is helping. It's grace that I'm standing before you. God is helping me to stand before you in an, on a normal day or in a, in a natural. I can't stand before you. Do you understand? All right. Come boldly. What he's trying to let you know is that take advantage of this grace that is in Christ Jesus. So in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1, Paul admonishes his son, Timothy. He says, my son, be strong in the grace. Okay, so come boldly does not mean that you are, because the Bible does not teach us that. 2 Timothy 2 1, thou therefore my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in it. Come boldly has to do with being strong. Do you understand? Come boldly implies be strong. Check the, the Greek for me, for that verse. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Be strong. Be strong. Because the, in the entire revelation of, of Paul, the, the entire revelation that Paul wrote, there's no place where Paul gives you the idea that God is outside of you. So you need to come to know. Okay? The Bible says that 
there is no scripture that is of private interpretation. So, as if you find a scripture, it must have two or three witnesses. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses is a word confirmed. Look at 2 Corinthians 13.1. This is the third time I'm coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Okay? In the mouth of what? Two or three witnesses shall every word be established. So you don't pick one thing and design a doctrine on it. Peter also mentioned it. Second Peter what? One twenty. Okay, so knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. You can't interpret, interpret it privately. You must have other scriptures, okay, that say similar things or say the same thing for that thing to qualify as a doctrine that can be taught. If it's standing on its own, you, it may not qualify as a doctrine that can be taught because it's just on its own. And you must check its, um, its consistency in the scriptures. You understand? Uh-huh. For instance, today I was thinking about something. God brought something to my mind today. If we read concerning Samson, the Bible says that Samson desired foreign women. Okay? The parents wanted him to marry somebody from Israel. And he said no. He would marry a Philistine woman. You know, you know Samson married a Philistine woman before he met Delilah. How many of you know that? And when the Bible was talking about it, the Bible said that his parents did not know that it was God who stirred him up. <laughs> Have you ever read that portion of the Bible? You never read it? It's in the Bible. Judges chapter 6, I think. Let me check it for you. And then I'll ask you a question. Okay? <laughs> Judges chapter 14, verse 1. And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me to wife. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all thy people, all my people, that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleased me well. But, verse 4, look at verse 4. But his father and his mother knew not that it was, the, it was of the Lord, that he sought an occasion against the Philistines. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. As I go, oh, you know, you don't see him. He did the Bible inside. <laughs> so God was telling him up to do the wrong thing. Ish. Then God asked me, do I still do this? That was the question God asked me today. Do you think I still do this? So I'm asking you, do you think God still does this? But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord. So that because he sought an occasion, God was looking for an occasion against the Philistines. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. First wife. Then when Samson down and, the, and his father and his mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath and behold, a young lion roared against him, blah, blah, blah. He killed the lion. Later he came back to come and take the honey. They had a wedding. After during the wedding, they gave him a riddle. He says, if someone answers the riddle, you give him some things. They went away. He told the wife. The wife told somebody. And the people came to come and say it. He said, no, I'm angry. He tied foxes, caught foxes together and bent all their farm. The Lord has had his victory. Hallelujah. Does God still do that? What do you think? Take home. It's a take home question. Today, as I was meditating, this is what God told me. He asked me, do you think I still do this? Can I stir someone to do wrong so that I may get an occasion? 
against his enemies or against my enemies. What a question. God can ask some very interesting questions. Anyway, so, if this concept does not continue with the body of revelation, as you go, as you read the Bible, you should know that uh, it's, you can't teach it as doctrine. You can't stand and say, you see, you are sleeping with the lady because God wants an occasion. God is seeking an occasion. Remember what the Bible said about? <laughs> yes, the, God led the prophet Haggai to marry a prostitute so that he can tell Israel what Israel had become. So can the Lord lead you to marry a prostitute as well? Hallelujah. Anyway, just, just by the side. Yeah. So in, in the body of revelation of the body of revelation that God has given to Paul, there's no other place where you find where he says, Come to the throne. He always lets you know that the throne is inside you because God is inside you. Okay? For instance, in Colossians chapter one. Quick one. Colossians chapter one. Let's read from verse twenty four. Colossians one twenty four. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for the, his body's sake? Which is the church? Whereof I made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me to fulfill for you to fulfill the word of God. Verse twenty six. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known. Paul is trying to let you know what he preaches. Okay, he says to whom God would make known to the saints. God would or likes or wishes to make known. What is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles? The mystery that I preach. The word mystery is musterion. Meaning a shutting up of the mouth. Or a knowledge given to the, only to the initiated. Those who are initiated. Okay? Not courtism. Don't think about courtism. He's talking about those who have the knowledge. It's those who have the knowledge. Who, it, it's a mystery. It's so great that it causes them to shut up. Shut their mouth. Mustarion means the shutting of the mouth. When you see it, it's so big, you, you go like that's the art of it's mustarion. It's mystery. So it's not mystery in terms of it's a mysterious thing, you can't understand it. No, this one means that you understand, and the understanding is what gives you the reaction. You get it? Uh-huh. So he's saying that to you, to the saints, to you and I, God is willing. To make known what is the riches of the glory of the mystery among you and I, among the Gentiles. Which is, the mystery is this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. What does Christ in you mean? Christ in you means that the throne of grace in you. Do you understand? That because Christ is on the throne of grace. So if you are saying Christ, everything concerning him is, it says Christ is in you. And that is what God wants you to become aware of. So if it's in you, how do you come again? Okay? Two things. I've showed you the first part. The fact that Christ, he's located in you. However, even though he's located in you, there's a consciousness that needs, you need to build concerning his location in you. Okay? For instance, you may know that Christ is in you by this. 
that what I just told you, or by this scripture. But the more you meditate on it, and the more you think on it, the more really becomes to you. Or the more really becomes for you. Okay? And the more really becomes for you, your prayer life changes. Your prayer, the way you pray changes. You don't look up when you're praying. You look inside when you're praying. Hallelujah. Okay, so the other side, this is the other side. Ephesians chapter 3, from verse 15. Let's read from verse 13, so that it makes more sense. Wherefore, I desire that you feign not, you may, you feign not my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Have you seen it? The other one says, that you may become aware of the riches of his glory, the glory of the mystery. This one says, I pray that he will grant you according to the riches of the glory, to be strengthened in mind by his spirit in the inner man. Then, he says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Is he contradicting himself? The other one says, Christ in you. You must know that Christ is in you. This one says, he pray, I'm praying for you so that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Because the word dwell is govern. Christ is in you. But Christ must have a governing power. Governing ability. In other words, he must have a controlling ability on your life. When he has a controlling ability on your life, you will not come. You will not come boldly. You will not come to his throne. You will know that his throne is inside you. You are sitting in a throne with him. We are joint heirs for crying out loud. Which, wherever he's sitting is where we are sitting. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20. Look at Ephesians 1 20. Am I helping you? Which he wrote in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Then he says, far above heavenly, far above our principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Have you seen where Christ is sitting? Christ has been, let's see from verse 19 to make more sense. From verse 19. And what is exceeding, he's praying that you may know what is the exceeding greatness of God's power, the greatness of God's power in you and towards you who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ, which he worked in Christ when he raised him up from the dead. Okay? Not just raising him up from the dead and set him at his own right hand far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come. Have you seen where Christ is located? So this, this is where the throne of Christ, the throne of grace is located above all principality and power and might and all that. Jump to chapter 2. Let's read from verse. Okay, go to from verse 1. Let's read from verse 1. And you as he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. When in time past you walked according to the course of this world. This is you. Has he made alive? Now he has made you alive. First you were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the strength of disobedience. Next verse. Among whom also we all had our lifestyles, our conversations, in times past, in the last of our flesh. These are things that are in past. In, he's talking about you. He says these things happened to you when you were not born again. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Are you saying it? But God. Say but God. But God, God who is rich in mercy, in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has he quickened us? How? How did he make the word quicken is to make alive? Has he made us alive together? Say together. together. 
So what was happening to Christ when he was buried? The power that rose him from the dead did not just raise him from the dead. It rose us and him together from sin, from the dead. Has quickened us together with Christ by grace are he saved. Then he didn't just do that because when Christ was quickened or taken from the dead, he didn't, he was just taken from the dead. He was set, if you remember. He was set. He was quickened and was set. Same thing. When he was quickened, we're quickened with him. When he was made alive, quickened means to make alive. When he was made alive, we're made alive with him. When he was set, we were set with him. So this place lets you know. Even, it's, it's so nice. These are the, this, these are the scriptures that, this is the power scriptures. Don't think the power of God is in some oil or some, someone's sakura. Like you pass your hand around there, Professor sakura, and then there's power in your hand. <laughs> No, that's not where the power of God is. The power of God is in the scriptures. In your knowledge of the scriptures. <laughs> but God, say but God. But God. Ah, you can read some of the scriptures and run in your room. Paul shows you your past. What, has, what happened in the, what, how you were in the past. What happened to you and what you have become now. But God, who is rich in mercy. Remember, he says, let's come to the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy. The throne of grace is what gives out mercy. And gives out grace as well. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love away the love that's even when we're dead in sins. Has he quickened us or made us alive together with Christ. By grace are he saved. Next verse. Verse 6. And has raised us up together. Say together. together. Say it again. Together. together. Read the rest. No, 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 no. You see, this is how you read your Bible. That's why it's not fun for you. You read it like this, like a newspaper. You are just news, just like newspaper. If you don't read the scriptures with drama, because it's actually it's a story, it's a dramatic story. If you, if you are not a good reader of storybooks, you will not be able to understand the Bible well. You know, someone can read a storybook and not understand anything. He saw all the the action and everything, but he was reading it. His, your imagination is dead. That's, that's basically what it means. And the blue man went to the killer, punched the killer, and took his phone from him and called his girlfriend and found out where the girlfriend was. No, no effect. No effect. No effect. But when you read it like this, and the blue man went to the killer and beat the killer. Hey! He beat the killer and took the phone. If you know that type of killer, you be you be you admire the bloomer for being able to take the phone. You understand? You should know the type of killer we are talking about, and the type of bloomer we are talking about. No, you don't read this. And has raised and has raised us up together. No, no action. That's why you skip it. You will skip it. And when another man of God is sharing, you wonder which Bible I've been reading. He has imagination. He has he, the Holy Spirit has tempered with his, his imagination. That's why you have to read the Bible with fasting sometimes. Look at Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. What are the great and mighty things which thou knowest not? Where are they? Where are they found? How is God going to show you? That book that you're holding. That is where God will show you great and mighty things. That you knowest not. So David was wise. He said that open down my eyes. That, that I may behold wondrous things in thy word. 
Yeah, one, there are wondrous things inside, but until your imagination is quickened by the Holy Spirit. That's why you don't just open your Bible and read. You read, open. John 5, 4. You will sleep every time you'll be sleeping. Every time you sleep. You must pray some of these prayers for yourself. Open down my eyes that I may behold wondrous things. That's why we fast too. We fast so that there, there'll be a breaking forth of light. Uh, is this not the fast that I've, I've commanded? As I would. 58. Verse 3. Let, let's read it. Okay? It's nice. Wherefore have, have we fasted? Say thee, and thou seest not. Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exact all your labors. This is God talking. Behold, you fast for strife and debate, and to smite with the first, first of wickedness. You shall not fast as, they do, as you do this day, to make your voice to be heard on high. Is it such a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? This fasting is not what you think. It is. It's like a hunger strike. When you're moving around, you are so sad. When they ask you, how are you? <laughs> He says, it's not this the fast that I've chosen to lose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke. He says, this is real fast. Next verse. Is it not to do thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that, that are cast out to thy house, when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and thou, that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. He says, if you do it like this, then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. My interest is in the first statement. He says, then shall thy light break forth as the morning. What is your light? What is your light? It's revelation. Revelation, insight into the word of God. Thy word is what? Thy word is, a, is light. And a lamp onto my feet. Isn't it? It is your light. Will break forth. The entrance of your word brings light. Jesus said, the one who asked me, I'm the light of the world. Who is, who is Jesus? Jesus is the word of God. It is your light. That your access to the word will break forth. In thy light, we see light. All those scriptures. Hallelujah. So you need to read the word of God with a certain type of excitement. Don't read it with... If you don't have that type of excitement, you have to fast and pray. There's something wrong. You should be disturbed if you come to church and go home and nothing has happened. You come to church, nothing happens to you, go home. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like something is happening around you and you don't have any spiritual emotion towards that thing. You see someone who is sick and you don't have any... You can't even slap the person. Yeah. Have you seen some before? Has it ever occurred to you? Like, you don't care. There's something wrong. But you, you, they can preach to you and you are there. They're like a stone. In boarding. In boarding. The word of God is water, so as the, you are like a stone. It's not no penish, nothing. You have to pray. You have to cry and pray. 
So let's go back to that place. Ephesians chapter what? Chapter 3. We are in verse, let's read from verse 5 to verse 6 again. Let me read it to you the way you are supposed to read it. Okay? Even when we're dead in sins, and, and, uh, dead in sins, has he quickened us together or raised us together with Christ? By grace, you see again, by grace are you saved. By the help of God are you saved. By the actions of God are you saved, not by your works. Next verse. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So the throne is sitting on. What do you say? We are sitting together with him on that throne. That is the reality. That is the what has really happened. But, but it may not be real like that in your case. So Paul uses tenses like come boldly to the throne of grace just to help your understanding. So this is where God would have you come to. Come to the knowledge. The, the knowledge. So um, scriptures concerning sometimes when you read this, this part of the Bible you wonder what he's talking about. Let me show it to you. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 11. Ephesians 4 from verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And it says, for the perfection of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. My interest is in the next verses. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the... It says this particular thing is supposed to be repeated so many times. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, and all those people are supposed to perfect the saints. Now, the word perfect there does not mean uh, perfect as you think. The word is catatismus, which means full equipping of the saints. Okay? Full equipping of the saints. It means what? Finishing. To finish you with completely. To completely finish you with with the wisdom, the knowledge that you require. To be active in the body of Christ. To work in the body of Christ. To edify the body of Christ. So there are a lot of Christians who are not finished with the right information. There are a lot of Christians who don't think that they are supposed to do anything in the house of God. Or do anything. Like when it comes to evangelism, it's left to the evangelism wing of the church. He says we are supposed to do it repetitively until everybody comes to that place where you are fully equipped with the right wisdom, the right information. Okay? It's very important. Don't be the guy who got to heaven and realized that his work was useless. His money was useless. His homes were useless. The businesses built was, was, was useless. The most important thing was supposed to be didn't do. <laughs> God is interested in people. He's not interested in houses. This church could be turned into a disco some years to come. It's a church whilst we are in here. If we leave, it can become anything. Because the church is not a building. The church is people. If you establish your business with people in mind, to help people's families, and to raise them, to impact them with the spirit, then you are correct. Then your business will mean something in heaven. Yes, I go, man. Yeah, some people exit the system. When they exit, then you're like, hey, they realize that. You have, been, you have just been fooling around. You did a lot of things, but... You didn't really. So we come in the into the faith and of the knowledge 
The word knowledge is epignosis. That means full knowledge. Coming to experience the knowledge you have. So that the experience of the knowledge you have produces results. Okay? For instance, we have full knowledge of this microphone. That is why it is producing results for us. Someone can buy this microphone and be using it as a ladder. Because it looks like one. So he has knowledge of it. It's been given to him as a gift. But he doesn't know what to do with it. Some of our parents have phones. iPhone, Papebi. iPhone X. XS. Do you know what they do with it? Phone calls and text. Normal text. Normal text too. Mobile money. Only mobile money. Am I lying? But what, what can an iPhone X do? It can capture your face and all that. Isn't it? You can use facial uh, password. What? Nice pictures. That's all it can do. <laughs> so he says that he wants us to have so much information, so much knowledge concerning Christ that we are united with that knowledge and we produce results in tandem or in synchrony. So we come to the knowledge of the Son of God. Don't you have the knowledge of the Son of God? Don't you have the knowledge of the Son of God? In fact, grace okay, comes to you through the knowledge of the Son of God. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge. Second Peter chapter 1, verse, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Jesus our Lord. So he says, we have to come to the full knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Can you imagine this word perfect? It's not the same as the other word perfect. This one is teleos or teleosis, which means one who does not, who has no space for increase anymore. One who is onto the overflow. Teleos is from the word telescope. Uh, that's the word where telescope and telegram and telephone and all those things are gained from. Meaning that I can be here. Telephone means I can be here and I can be talking to somebody in America in real time. When he talks, I hear. When I talk, he also hears. Real time. Television. They can be doing something in America. I'm here, but I'm seeing it. Live. Huh. What he's saying is that he wants you to become perfect in Christ to the point that whatever is happening in heaven is your reality in earth now. That's what he means. So that your distance, the distance, your physical location makes no difference. Heaven's experience is your experience. When God is angry, you're also angry down here. Because we're frail. You've heard it. You know what God is doing. You are in tandem with God. You are in synchrony with God. You are working together. Unto a perfect man. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So what, what does this scripture mean? This scripture, that's what I'm trying to explain to you. you see, so we have, no, the Christ is in us. Okay? But we have to it's the same Bible. These same words are what is going to bring you to the full knowledge of Christ. So you must, you must get used to the over and over and over and over repetition. It's very important. You must get used to repetition. You must get used to reading the same portions of the Bible consistently. 
and meditating on them consistently. Consistency is the secret of real maturity in Christ. Do you know what made Kenneth Hagin a giant of faith? Mark chapter 11, verse 22. 23. Go to 23. Verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have what he says whatsoever he says. Can, this is Kenneth Hagin. This is Kenneth Hagin. He so meditated on it that he became this. He became the, the verse. And the verse became him. That's why he can come to church. He's coming to preach. So I'm also growing. We are all growing, right? He can come to church. He's coming to preach. The service will be turned into a laughing service. Because at that time, God is laughing. So that's what you bring to the people. Everybody will be laughing. If you like, say that you don't laugh. You can game. <laughs> one guy was giving, was giving so much he went there, when he started laughing he moved from the back went through the stage and exited at the back of the stage <laughs> hallelujah have I answered you? Great. Great. great let's have some more questions any other question? if there's any question in your heart you can ask but I hope the question has, is taking us through so many things that's the, that's the mystery of ask the author when I come to do the act of the I pray. I pray a lot so that the Holy Spirit can bring the scriptures. I don't know all the scriptures I'm telling you. I don't know it's in my head. I know it's in my heart. I know it's in my spirit. That's why God brings it out. Okay? So don't try to do ask the author somewhere with your head in mind. Do it with the Holy Spirit in mind. He will bring the scriptures. And you'll be surprised at your own self. That, hey, it's like you've read, you know the Bible small. I know the Bible small. I don't know the Bible much. Yes, any other question? Yes. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Uh, some time ago, you said, uh, you quoted a certain scripture about, it's about the end time, the rapture. You said, uh, the tribulation, something will not come until there's a falling away first. And you explained what the falling away meant by saying that, unless the church is taken away. Uh-huh. So, the question I want to ask with respect to that one is how, how is it going to be like? Is it like all at once or in batches? Because some time ago, <laughs> I listened to a message. Uh, Pastor John gave me a message called Raptures and by Reverend Jordan. <laughs> he was talking about Raptures, like the first fruit. Those are meats, eh? bones. And scriptural bones. So, Pastor, that one I didn't really get it. That's that's what I'm asking. Is it going to be in batches or at once? <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, so Second Thessalonians, chapter two. God bless you for listening. Keep listening to the word as Christ is made the center of your world. For prayer and counseling, call 024-563-8314 or send an email to info at christworldinc.com. God bless you.